Beautiful morning. So, on average, more than half of your waking hours each week are spent on this. More than half of your life is spent on this. And more than half of your time, energy, and attention is given to this. What is it? Ha! <laughs> it's good. It's good. No. Average American. Work. Very good. Work. So how you treat people at work really, really matters because that's how you treat people majority of your life, majority of your time. So that's what we're going to see in this passage today. So we've been talking the last few weeks about treating people like family because God treats us like family. And we saw a couple weeks ago that we need to treat people like family at home. And we saw that in 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 16. And last week we saw how to treat people like family at church in 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 25. And now today we're going to see how to treat people like family at work in 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. So let's get right into the scripture. 1 Timothy 6, verses 1 and 2. Just two verses today. So if you're tired... Maybe we'll get out early today. Maybe we won't. I can strain a gnat. Okay, here we go. 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved, teach and encourage these things. So from the get-go, let's just address slavery, because that is what this is all about. So why didn't Paul call for the abolition of slavery in these verses? Right? I mean, it almost seems like he just accepts it without question. So why does he do that? Well, Paul knew that people's greatest slavery is actually to sin. And so what people need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, in John 8, 34 to 36, said, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not remain in, in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free, or some translations, you will be free indeed. And so Paul saw that, hey, what people actually need is the gospel. They need to be freed from their sin. So if there are more true believers in Jesus, lesser forms of slavery will start to get addressed. So you have to go after it from the inside out. And so um, Pastor Alistair Begg said it like this, why is America as ungodly as it is? Because there aren't enough Christians. We need more Christians. How do you get more Christians? By preaching about the issues of the day? No, by preaching the gospel. And so Paul's focus is on winning people to Christ. And so you'll, you'll see, even in these verses, I mean, we just read them, but I'm going to point it out later, that he knew the best way to change societal structures like slavery was to actually introduce people to Jesus first and foremost. And so today, if, if you even think of it today, if we want to address slavery of human trafficking, 
let's win men to Christ. If, if men can see the infinite value of women created in the image of God, and then they, they go and live their lives and they refrain from activities that enslave women and treat them like valuable, invaluable, I mean, just a, of infinite value. If they treat women like that in their minds, in their hearts, and in their lives, that problem will start to take care of itself. What people need is Jesus first and foremost. They need to be changed by the gospel. And then things like different forms of slavery start to get addressed. But the second question I find myself asking after I read a passage like this is, is I go, what, what was the slavery that Paul was even addressing here? And so that word slaves in these, in these verses is actually bondservants, I think is a better rendering um, from the Greek. So, and that's how the ESV translated, and I think they got it right. So I want to share from commentator Frank Thielman, because he says it, well, just better than I could. So um, he says, The Roman institution of being a bondservant was different from the institution of slavery in North America during the 17th through the 19th centuries. Slaves gener generally were permitted to work for pay and to save enough to buy their freedom. The New Testament assumes that trafficking of human beings is a sin, 1 Timothy 1.10. We saw that early in, earlier in Timothy. And Paul urges Christian slaves who can gain their freedom to do so, 1 Corinthians 7.21. So God does not support or encourage slavery here in 1 Timothy 6.1 and 2. Like in any societal structure, though, some masters abuse their slaves. And actually, in any societal structure, because there's humans, sinful humans in charge, people get mistreated, unfortunately. But most people in this structure of, of bond servants back then were treated well. It's not the type of slavery we think of in the South during the 17th through 19th centuries. They could earn money. Uh, it, it really was more like a job today with less freedoms than we enjoy. So, this morning, I'm going to be applying this to the workplace today because the timeless principles in these couple verses apply pretty seamlessly to the workplace. So, the first thing I want to show you in 1 Timothy 6, 1 is that we need to treat authority in the workplace with respect. It says, all who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect. So he's saying, he, he's really pointing back to what he said in 1 Timothy 5.1, where he says, don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. He's saying, hey, treat your boss or treat those who are in charge of you in the workplace like you should treat your dad. Why? Because God treats us like sons and daughters. And if God treats us with that level of dignity, how much more should we treat others with that level of dignity? So treat your boss the way you should treat your dad. It says regard them as worthy of all respect. Now when it says regard as, this has to do with the way you think of them, not just the way you treat them. And so the, if you think about it, the way you think about someone is the way you will inevitably treat them eventually. You can only fake it so long. If you're, you're thinking this way of your boss or of someone who's in charge of you, you will start to treat them the way you're thinking about them. 
at some point. You can't keep that locked up forever. So how do you think of and treat someone with all respect? What does that even mean? Well, Titus 2, 9 and 10 is a similar passage, and we learn a lot from that passage on respect. So Titus 2, 9 and 10 says, Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything, and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. So it says to submit. Submit in the workplace. And and what that means is supporting and respecting your boss's God-given leadership role in your workplace. So think of yourself as under their leadership and authority, not just to get a paycheck, though, but because God actually placed them there over you. And God did. God is in control of all. Verse 9, he says, be well-pleasing. So this literally means to seek to please your boss. Do your absolute best to meet his or her expectations. And then verse 9, it says, not talking back. See, there's a healthy, respectful way to bring concerns to your boss. And then there's a disrespectful way and defiant way to do it. You know, I, I think of... My kids, you know, sometimes, shocker, right? Kids, that my kids would say this, pastor's kids, but they definitely do. And I did it when I was little as well. But I asked them to do something, and they go, no. Okay, that is disrespect, right? And while you may not, you may be a little more refined in the way you, you defiantly say no to your boss, I'm sure at points we're tempted to, or just straight out do it. So he, when he's saying not talking back, it means being respectful by not just not just sitting there defiantly, you know, being quick-witted and questioning everything. Instead, we simply do what's asked of us. In verse 10, it says not stealing. And of course, this means don't steal stuff from your company or from your boss, right? But it also means not stealing time. So when you punch in at work, or maybe you don't punch in, but you start at a certain time, Do you then go to the bathroom, even though you don't have to go to the bathroom, and scroll on your phone for 10 to 15 minutes? That's stealing, is it not? You're being paid to work. Verse 10, it says, demonstrating utter faithfulness. So if you committed to three years with the company, stick it out, even if it's hard. You need to be faithful to him or her, even when others are turning their back on them. So this is a pretty all-encompassing picture of respect for our boss. And so just to summarize again, it's submitting to them, seeking to please them, not talking back to them, not stealing from them or the company in any way, and being completely faithful to them. And maybe you're here today and, and you're like, wait, 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 I don't have a boss. I'm self-employed or I'm a stay-at-home parent. And I would say if you're in one of those categories, you actually have two bosses, so your, your first boss, obviously, God. And the last time I checked, he's got some pretty high standards, and he sees everything, so you can't get away with anything. But your other boss, so to speak, if you're self-employed, is your customers. Or if you're a stay-at-home parent, is your kids. Now, obviously, your customers and your kids are not your boss. Like That is a different relationship. But they deserve your full respect, just like a boss would. And so if you're a parent, I, I actually want you to think really deeply about that this week. I'm not going to extrapolate that a lot, 
but your kids deserve the same respect that your boss deserves. That has some massive implications. All right, followers of Christ should be the most respectful employees. I mean, we should be winning employee of the month all the time. I mean, that's, that's what this is saying. We, we should be known for our respectful attitude and behavior toward our boss. And so is that you? Okay, but what if my boss isn't worthy of respect? What if he or she is not a respectable person? Well, that leads to the second part of verse 1. So let me read it. All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. So that. Why do we treat our bosses with so much respect even if they don't deserve it? It says it here. So that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. Eugene Peterson explains it like this. He says, so that outsiders don't blame God and our teaching for his behavior. So when God's people disrespect authority that he put in place, it's like they're disrespecting God. And on top of that, it makes God look bad. It looks like God is totally fine with disrespecting authority. So not treating authority with respect is like treating God with disrespect. Now, if your boss is abusing his or her role and asking you to do things that dishonor God, go through channels and report it. And if you're not listened to and nothing is done about it, quit. We have the privilege in America today that many of them did not when Paul was writing this. We have lots of opportunities. But most of the time, we need to rewire our brains about those in authority at work. We need to think, if I mouth off to my boss, it's like I'm mouthing off to God. If I mouth off to my boss, it makes my boss think that God is pretty okay with mouthing off. Ephesians 6, 5 puts it well. Another similar passage. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. As you would Christ. If Jesus was your boss, how would you respond to this situation? We need to daily remind ourselves of this as we work. We're not, we're not to treat our boss with disrespect because if we do, it's like treating God with disrespect. We need to respond to them as we would respond to Jesus himself. The next thing we see in verse 2 is that we need to treat believing authority with extra respect. So if they're believers, we need to give them even more respect. 1 Timothy 6.2, Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. So why should we treat believing bosses with extra respect? Because they're family. They're brothers, it says. The temptation then and the temptation now is to think if someone is over you and they're a follower of Christ, then heck, I can get away with anything. I can get away with more because they're a brother or sister in Christ. So 
They're going to be gracious with me. And while it might be true that they're going to be more gracious with you, why would you treat a brother or sister like that? You know, in, in Romans 6, 1 and 2, it says, should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. And so that's true with God, and that is true with other believers as well. Grace is actually meant to motivate us to be even more obedient. So if our boss is a brother or sister in Christ, that should be all the more reason to treat them respectfully. So why? Why should we treat our believing bosses with extra respect? Well, it says it in this passage, to remind them of God's love, that they are dearly loved. When you treat your boss with respect, you're actually reminding them of the love of God for them. Now, bosses sometimes, believe it or not, can get pretty discouraged. And can for even believing bosses can get pretty discouraged and forget about God's love. They know God loves them, but they, they, they just forget. And it's hard to remember. So if you have a believing boss, think, yeah, you know what? I can remind him or her of God's love today. And I can do it simply by being extra respectful. They're loved infinitely by God as his child. And, and it's easy to forget. But don't be the reason that they forget his love today. Be the reason they remember his love at work today. And so I would say to you, if you're a boss as well, this verse is telling you to treat your believing subordinates or employees with extra respect as well. So again, it says, Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them, because they are brothers, but serve them even better, since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. Treat them with extra respect, because they're families. The same reasons that bosses... Or that, that employees should treat their bosses with extra respect if they're believers. Same goes the other way around. See, they're family. They're brothers. They're sisters. They're not merely your employee or your direct report. They're your brother or your sister. Now, obviously, don't give them special privileges over others. But do encourage them. Pray for them. Pray with them. Do what you need to do as their boss functionally. And sometimes, you know, that, that isn't the most fun things in the world. But then be there as their biggest cheerleader as much as you can, as often as you can. Remind them of God's love, that they are dearly loved. Employees get discouraged. They forget about God's love as well. Be a reminder of God's love to them. Buy their lunch. Email them or text them some encouraging scripture. Think, how could I be a reminder of God's great love to those who are under my authority at work today? In college, I worked one summer at a vet clinic, and I was hired to, to not just help with the, the pets, but also to um, do some maintenance and special projects. And if you know me, I don't know how to fix things. I can use a Phillips, and that's about it. So uh, they had me doing all these projects, and I was learning on the fly, and I worked hard, and, but I was not good at what I was doing. Um, but the guy who owned the vet clinic, Jerry, um, was my former youth leader, and he knew that I would work hard, and he valued that more than skill for this particular position that summer. 
Um, so he hired me. Um, and one particular instance, I was um, putting like this garage floor epoxy stuff in a kennel room. And I'd never done that before, and I did not know what I was doing at all, and I tried my best. I worked all weekend on that thing. It didn't turn out well at all. Like, it just didn't. Came back Monday morning, I'm like, that is not what it looked like the other day, <laughs> when it set, because I, I just did several things very wrong. Um, but Jerry, he was very gracious with me, and he, um, you know, he gave me a hard time, which he should have, you know. Um, but he didn't come down on me hard. He just teased me and, and moved on. And then he came in that night and redid it himself um, graciously. And, and I'm grateful to God for that. See, he, he modeled to me what this scripture is telling us. You know, if you have a believing employee or boss, show them God's love. You have an opportunity to be extra respectful and extra gracious with them. And that's what Jerry did with me. And so I'm sure you have opportunities all the time to do that. Take those opportunities to be loving and gracious. And that doesn't mean you don't hold them to standards. That's, that's part of the deal, right? It just means that you're trying to be a conduit of God's love at the same time. So I want to read some scripture um, I was amazed by how many similar scriptures there are on slaves and masters in the New Testament. So I want to read them slowly so that you can hear directly from God on how to treat other people at work. So I just kind of want it to speak for itself. So I'm going to start with our passage for today. And I, if you have a Bible, I just want you to follow along there. And then for the other passages, I'll have it on the screen for you. So 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. Really internalize. Okay. There's very specific things. Think, Lord, how could I apply this to my life and my workplace? 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. All who are under the yoke as slaves should regard their own masters as worthy of all respect so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. Let those who have believing masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but serve them even better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved to teach and encourage these things. Titus 2, 9 and 10. Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Savior in everything. Colossians 3, 22 to 25. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people 
knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves the same way without threatening them, because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So to end today, I just want to give us an opportunity to live this out right here. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a few seconds. I want to give you a few moments to just confess to God a specific disrespectful way you've treated someone in your workplace. Or perhaps, if that doesn't apply to you, maybe a disrespectful way you've treated someone in your home. So just confess that to God. Go, Lord, I am sorry for acting disrespectful in this way towards this person. Give that to him. Confess that to him right now. Now I want you to think, when could you go and apologize to that person this week? Because the Lord forgives you, right? He is gracious and merciful. He's ready to forgive. But if you've wronged a brother or sister, you need to go to them as well and get right with them. So when could you go and how could you go about apologizing this week to that person? Now just take, just take a moment and thank Jesus because of his sacrifice on the cross that you're forgiven of whatever you just confessed to him. Thank him for his forgiveness. Okay. All right. I'm going to invite the worship team back on up. And as they're coming up, we're going to take communion in a few moments. And so I wanted to read first from 1 Corinthians 11 to remind you of the significance of communion. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's what we're going to be doing together. We're going to be proclaiming the Lord's death. Until he comes. We're remembering his broken body and his shed blood on the cross. And we're so grateful for that today because if we're all honest, we've all just screwed up a lot in the workplace, right? We've just had times where we've just blurted out things we shouldn't have said. And, but God is so gracious and merciful with us. So here's how we're going to do it. During the next couple worship songs, communion will be on tables in the back there. And you can just go back and get it. And what I want you to do 
is bring it back to your spot and on your own, just take a look at this cross we have over in the corner. And I want you to look up to the cross and just, just tell him, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for freeing me from my sin, for giving me the freedom, the ultimate freedom that I need from my sin. Just contemplate what he did for you and, and take that on your own and remember him uh, as we go about the next couple worship songs. So let me pray. Father, I pray that as we come to you, as we look at